This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, July 30th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And yep, we only have one more trading day in the month of July. That means we are basically seven twelfths away way through the year. And normally I would say it goes by fast, but this has been uh, definitely a, a long year and a lot to talk about today. Uh, we obviously had some big fang earnings after the bell, Amazon, Google, Apple. And we know there's going to be volatility uh, in regards to a few things coming up. The stimulus package as well as the election here in, uh, what, 95-ish days, something like that. And we have the next week, we should have Biden's pick, apparently, for VP. We will have the Republican and Democrat primary, not primaries, but the the conventions in the month of August. And then I believe it's the first part of September are the debates. And so how that all kind of pans out over the next, call it six weeks, can bring uh, a lot of volatility. We see that the tech names continue to do well, but we also had antitrust hearings yesterday. And Based on our analysis, Apple fared the best, then Google, then Facebook, and then Amazon probably fared the worst. They got the most scrutiny. So uh, Facebook having to break up possibly Instagram and Facebook, I think that is a possibility. Amazon separating out their AWS division possibly from their retail division and maybe a few further regulation on how much Amazon can abuse their power of their platform. So that's certainly something that is to watch over the coming three, that's a little farther out, three to six months. Typically these antitrust type of regulations take some time to work through the system and figure out the best way or the the consensus way at least to deal with their various monopolies and the type of power that they wield. So that's something that certainly is going to be uh, on the radar as well. Now for investors, we know it's an unsettling time. And we also know that you're still serious about reaching your particular financial goals. And so that means you have to be prepared for this continuing volatility. You you can't just index right now, which I might talk about a little later, about how indexing versus passive versus active depends on the market. You can see this year that active is winning out. So you you have to know how to deal with the big picture. 
So today on this program, I will do my best to provide you unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions and hopefully give you a little more perspective on that bigger picture and give you strategies or help you develop strategies to deal with the volatility and improve your results overall. So I'm here right now ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now here at Invest Talk and at my company, KP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So we are dedicated to that unbiased guidance. We want our success to be yours. And we prove our dedication in practice with parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients. So now that I've set things up for the day, I'm ready to take your calls. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. And if you want to sit down with myself or Steve via Skype, phone call, jive meetings, whatever it is you want to get assessment of your portfolio, whether it's balanced optimally, we can help. We want to help you. Just send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial office in Irvine, California. That number is 800-557-5461. Once again, you can learn more at investtalk.com. Now, my main focus point today concerns a headline that caught our attention is about Shopify. Shares were up after our or yesterday on the back of pretty good earnings. And uh, I think it's a it's a good case study in how certain businesses are the next potential Amazons. Not to say they're going to be as big, but using their strengths, right? The strength of Amazon, which is their platform, almost against them. I think that will be a Good lesson. I actually have a good friend that works closely with uh, with Shopify, so we're going to discuss that as well. In addition, we're going to touch on GE, General Electric. This is a company that for years was the darling of American business. Was a blue chip stock and it nearly collapsed a couple of years ago and it remains in the doldrums and there are some lessons here that I think everybody should learn also now with Biden as the heavy favorite to win once again I don't this isn't polls this is people marching with their dollars the betting polls or the betting Odds are saying Biden has a strong chance of winning. What will that look like in relation to China? I think that will be important because of the business aspect there. Then lastly, if we have time, active versus passive debate and how that depends on which market you're talking about. So we're going to look at that as well. So that's ultimately what's on my docket for today, but I want to hear from you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Today we had a, a mixed bag. The S&P was down about 12 points. The NYSE closed down 136 points, down a 
about 1%. So pretty weak day overall, a little over 1% uh, on the NYSE. The NASDAQ, however, that was up about, let's see, what were we up? 45 points or so, so roughly half a percent. Maybe there was anticipation of good earnings from the FANG names. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how they open and close uh, on the day tomorrow. But overall, it was a, a solid. Uh, it, was, it was a solidly weak day for the market overall. Same with gold and silver. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We know that after tomorrow, July 2020, will be in the history books. But that doesn't mean that your strategy development ends. It means that you just move into August and understand the dynamics of the month of August, which actually tends to be a fairly weak month. So that means you have to expect volatility and you need to be better prepared for these market swings. So I want to help you. Let's talk about it. Your participation is as important as ever. So we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. It's an Invest Talk Thursday. Justin Klein is on duty and he's happy to provide unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk 888 99 Chart. Let's go to Jay in Kansas. Wants to talk about Amazon and Microsoft. Hey, thanks for taking the call. I sincerely appreciate it. Uh, avid listener of the show, first time caller. I appreciate you uh, uh, tuning in and giving us a call. Do you own Microsoft and Apple, or, or sorry, Amazon? Well, I don't know if I should be batting leadoff on your show today, but as it relates to Amazon, I did. Uh, I bought in at about thirty-one fifty. Sold mm-hmm. today, uh, given there were a lot of reports on different uh, uh, valid news outlets, you know, the Bloomberg's of the world and those things. Ended up selling at about thirty twenty-five, and my thinking was I would get back in tomorrow when there's a dip and earnings were huge. And now the stock has taken off, and I feel like the biggest idiot. And I'm just, I guess, calling to ask you: Do you think it will level back to where I can get back in, or is Amazon's new norm going to be through the moon? Um, and then I have a Microsoft question for you, if you're willing to take it. Uh, well, I I still think uh, the the growth side is near a peak. You know, when the exact peak in the market or in in, in the tech stocks are, uh, I'm not sure. Earnings on Amazon are expected to be thirty seven dollars next year. So even based on that, you're talking a P ratio close to a hundred. So it still remains extremely expensive and a lot of regulatory antitrust risk on top of it. So. Will there be more uh, a dip for you to get in the lower prices? I do think so. So don't don't kick yourself. Uh, be patient, and I still think Amazon will be a buy, but it will be when there's a little bit more clarity on uh, the the regulatory antitrust front because there's sharp sharp focus from Congress on there right now. So don't kick yourself. Uh, and what was your question on Microsoft? Uh, my average is a two oh seven uh share price and it makes up uh, a large portion of my portfolio by that i mean about 18 percent which i'm fine with and i think it's a good staple but is 
207 too high? Should I jump out and, and wait till it dips a little bit low or and uh, then reevaluate? Well, I, I don't want to give you exact advice, you know, that you're talking the kind of semantics on 203 versus 207. Uh, it's more of portfolio allocation. 18% is way too much, even if it's a bellwether like Microsoft, uh, especially at these valuations, which, you know, it's not super overvalued, but it's, it's not cheap, I would say. Uh, you know, we liked it back in March, April timeframe in the mid hundreds. Now we're at 204. So, uh, I would just try to reduce that down to no more than 5% of your overall portfolio. That's uh, typically our limit is about 5 to 6% of an overall portfolio. Thanks for the call, Jay. Let's go to Eric in New York looking at LCA, Lancadia Holdings. What do they do? Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for taking my call. So they sure. are an SPAC. Um, uh, special purpose acquisition company. I heard you mm-hmm. talk about them on the show, um, SPAC yep. in general, the SPAC. Um, they're going to become Golden Nugget Casino, I believe, towards the end of Q3. So this yeah. is an online gambling play. And, um, you know, I'm big on that. Um, one of the more obvious reasons is state legalization. I feel like states need funds. So they're going to be turning to... Um, legalizing online sports betting and just casino games in general. Mm. So I wanted to know, what do you think of it at this price? Uh, what kind of uh, information can you gather uh, looking at it at this current valuation? And uh, I was looking to put it in my long portfolio. Because I don't have any information on Golden Nugget. Right. This is this is pre pre acquisition, and the entire company will become Golden Nugget. So I there's zero understanding of whether 474 million dollar market cap is rich or cheap. I would need to know more about Golden Nugget, their projected growth uh, and earnings and cash flow. So these are financial engineering vehicles. Now, technically, it's really bad you know it's now broken today it looks like wow it's it's basically at the uh bottom end of that range from when that acquisition was announced so if it breaks that watch out this could go back down all the way to you know about 10 bucks um so you know i i would pass on it because i just don't have any clarity on golden nugget thanks for the call this is invest talk i'm justin klein I want to hear from you. I want to know what's on your mind. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Steve and Justin have recorded an all-new Rapid Fire Hour. It's a free podcast download, and you'll hear answers to 30 caller questions. You can find it now for free at investtalk.com iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Search Invest Talk June Bonus Show. 88899 chart, 88992 Now, my focus point today concerns a headline that e commerce Shopify shares jumped 7% after second quarter revenues increased 97%, and the stock is up about 100% uh, over the last year. And Really what's happening here is their goal is to quote, to quote their, their CFO, 
that we're committed to transferring the benefits of scale to our merchants, helping them sell more and sell more efficiently, which is especially critical in this rapidly changing environment. So basically Shopify's value proposition is, hey, we're going to give you the scale that Amazon has, but you get to keep your own data to control your own site, to sell whatever products that you want. But we are building the infrastructure, both digitally and physically with distribution. And I actually have one of my best friends. He actually runs a Shopify uh, fulfillment center uh, in Ohio. And so they have very strong management. And new stores created on Shopify grew 71% in the second quarter compared to the first quarter. And gross merchandise volume was up 119% year over year. So what Shopify is doing, it's trying to basically take down Amazon or say, hey, you don't need Amazon. A lot of merchants, they feel they need Amazon. They need that scale. They need those eyeballs. But Shopify is trying to create a marketplace that does not compete with their partners, their resellers. And to me, this is the best opportunity in the marketplace for that. Now, the valuation is still absolutely absurd. You're talking about expected earnings next year of $1.27. It's $1,000 a share. Still absurd. But it should be on everyone's watch list simply because they have good management and they are effectively working towards an alternative to Amazon's online system. Now, there is one risk here, and that it's a Canadian company. And there's actually, they call it the Canadian curse. Think of BlackBerry. BlackBerry is a Canadian company. Very few, if any, of these Canadian companies that have hit it big, that have come to America, IPO'd, and had staying power. Will they be the next one? I don't know. But it's a, it's a pretty interesting uh, case study. And how there's the, I think the best opportunities aren't in the FANG names. It's in the companies that are innovating to do it even better than some of these FANG names. You know, I think of DuckDuckGo. I use DuckDuckGo for my search engine as opposed to Google. Right? So there are other opportunities out there and they have much more upside potential than just those fang names even though they look the fang names look really exciting let's get straight to our voice bank question for that came in earlier at 88899 chart hey what's going on guys first i just wanted to say thank you and i appreciate you guys and, and your information so i'm looking at redwood trust rwt looking to buy a couple of shares and uh kind of hold on to it until it climbs back up to its average it was in the past just want to know what you guys think Thank you. First, I want to stop anybody from having that mentality that, oh, it used to trade at a certain price and then it has to trade up there again. Uh -uh. Just go back to what I just said. Look at BlackBerry, <laughs> right? They're, they're, they've been in the doldrums for ever. See what they're going to bring up their, uh, their chart. BlackBerry. There, uh, BB, that's the symbol. So BlackBerry 
in its heyday, 2007, I think it was its peak. Yeah. It was trading $140 a share. Now it's at $4.74 a share. There is no guarantee that because it traded up there before that it's going to again. Right? RWT, Redwood Trust, which is what he's asking about, was trading in 2006 at $65 a share. Now it's at $6.93 a share. So don't think that just because it traded up there at some point that it has to do that again. The issue here is debt. They have a lot of debt in here, $14 million market cap. You have $11 billion roughly in long-term debt. That is the issue. This is a REIT that invests in residential mortgage loans and mortgage-backed securities. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a basically a very highly levered bank. And they've already cut their dividend. So don't sit there and think, oh, it was trading at this. It'll get back there. It could. It has a strong business. And maybe the recent news is uh, just, a, just a blip in longer-term growth. Or it's a company that has an over-leveraged balance sheet. And their assets are now impaired. Their cash flows are now greatly diminished. And they're going to have to spend all of their profits trying to rebuild their balance sheet. Guess what that means? Less profits to shareholders. So I would pass on Redwood Trust. Now the next invest talk, the U.S. entered a recession in February, ending the longest expansion in the post-World War II history. GDP fell 5% in the first quarter and, what was it, 35% second quarter? That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say... You've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. 
no one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. I'm looking to get into the electric vehicle market. I'm a pretty strong ETF guy. I usually look into ETFs. However, I've been doing a little research on the EV market, and I was wondering what your thoughts would be on just buying into GM for the long term. Look forward to listening and hearing the answer. Thank you. Here's what I like about this, that he's looking at not your typical names in the EV space, right? Not chasing the Nikolas, the Teslas of the world, uh, the Fiskers or, you know, the sexy names. But looking at what about GM? What about what about Ford? These are companies that are have been investing heavily in electric vehicles for many years, and in many ways have superior technologies. Now they're hidden underneath a broader scope of their vehicle lineup, where. Electric's a small part, but if they can produce cash flows that continue to support investment in the electric space, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's relatively smart. You're probably going to get a better value, right? GM's $36 billion market cap. Tesla's $300 billion, so 10 times as large from a market cap perspective, but far, far fewer vehicles sold by Tesla than GM. And GM's supposed to make $4.10 next year. Uh, you get a dividend. Uh, so compared to some of the bigger names, if you're trying to gain, gain exposure to the electric vehicle space, I, I think you could do far, far worse uh, than GM, especially from a valuation standpoint. Enterprise value EBIT is only eight. And that's having after having a tough EBITDA quarter because of COVID. So uh, I, I kind of like it, uh, what, you're, what you're looking at. I don't love the vehicle space in general, but I like that you're looking at alternative exposures to electric vehicles than simply the sexy names. Thanks for the call. 
Now, speaking of big American bellwether companies, let's dig into GE. Well, I don't know if you know this, but GE for decades was the blue chip of American blue chip companies. But in 2018, there was basically a collapse after it was revealed that there were a lot of counting irregularities and their cash flows began to suffer. The value of GE dropped by about $500 billion over a 20-year span. And there's a lot of blame to go around here. The main two culprits, though, are one, Jack Welch, who ran GE from 81 to 2001. And he kind of created this myth that they were the exception to the rule that a bigger company was not too big to manage because they had brilliant executives. For decades, they slashed jobs, they shut weak divisions, and they acquired over a 1,000 companies worth about $130 billion over that 20 years. Now, in hindsight, his main contribution, though, was building up GE Capital, the finance arm. And what that allowed them to do is borrow cheaply, because they had a AAA credit rating back then, and invest in GE's industrial business to lend to their customers, who they had a pretty good sense of whether they would pay back the money. He also used the stock to pay for takeovers. And what that did was became so wielding, so big, that it was hard for analysts to really understand what was going on inside the business. They kind of relied on management guidance and they told a simple story. Now, after that, you had Jeffrey Immelt, who, you know, he inherited a big GE capital division. And in the financial crisis, that weighed on the company dramatically. And it forced him to sell off GE Capital in 2015 and focus more on jet engines, power turbines, healthcare, etc. But he also made big mistakes, like a $10 billion acquisition of power and grid business Alstom, which their business was a little shady. At least their books were. So they overpaid. Now, there are a lot of things wrong with what happened. First was a lot of accounting gimmicks, especially under Welch. But this was also the hazard that they call it the what was the castle in the sky theory. I forgot exactly what it's called, but basically Leaders want to run bigger companies. So what do they do? They utilize financial engineering oftentimes to buy other companies. And more often than not, when they are forcing it, they pay up. They pay too much. So it's size for the sake of size. But what that does is it makes the business more complicated. Harder to analyze. 
Also, they were chairman and CEO. That becomes difficult as well. Why? Because you don't have a check and balance. When one man has both roles, big decisions aren't scrutinized very much, even when they're really bad. And then the third thing was, once again, they picked a simple story and told it over and over again. Meaning, oh, we're, it's our management that's so great. Our management is the one that's producing this, these results. We have a great management structure and philosophy. And that is what drives our success. And they just repeated it over and over again. And over again. Now, certainly things like the internet, rise of China, financial crisis, green energies rise, that certainly hurt them as well. But it was poor management, an over reliance, hubris, over reliance on some archaic way of doing business. And now you have the recent report that came out and they're even worse shape because one of their most profitable businesses, their aviation business. And that's going to be uh, having some tough times. We know Boeing's going to have some tough times. And so simpler business is often better. Even though it may be less exciting, often better. So there's a lot of lessons in GE and everyone should look at that case study and understand what happened over the last few decades and make sure you avoid companies that have the same fate. Now we get calls from all over the country because we have listeners pretty much in every state. So let's go to a qu- question from Michigan that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. My name is Jason from uh, Pontiac, Michigan. Long-time listener, big fan of the show. I was wondering if you could look into a certain ticker symbol, Limbach Companies, LMB. I just wanted your general thoughts on if you felt like this was a good entering position. Thanks for your time. Bye. Very small company, $30 million market cap, $3.85 a share. I do like the chart. You look at the chart, in mid-June, it had uh, a couple of strong days in the market. It went from about $3, hit a high of 4 and has been consolidating between 4 and call it $3.40 ever since. And now you have the 50 and the 100-day, uh, 50 and the 20-day moving up. I like that. I like the chart overall. Let's dig into the numbers, though. This is, like I said, a $30 million market cap company. They're supposed to make $0.38 cents a share next this year and $0.82 cents next year, and it's less than a $4 stock. I kind of like that. I want to know what's driving their results, though. Right? Uh, is they sign a big contract? What exactly is expecting, you know, allowing the market to expect them to earn even more money next year? Because historically, this has not been a great business. They lost money... The last three years, 2017 to 19, uh, 2014, they lost money. So their business has kind of been all over the place. Even last quarter, they lost the penny, but obviously that was in the midst of the pandemic. But revenue still grew 4%. 
So it's a very micro cap company, but I like what I'm looking at here. I like that. I like the chart. I, I like the expectation for earnings. As, if that's correct, they're going to earn 82 cents a share next year. That's a pretty solid uh, company. I like that they're just they're in the bread and butter business of heating, ventilation, air conditioning, plumbing, electrical, construction. All of these things are very, very important uh, to our world, COVID or not. And I like this. Uh, I'll, I'll, I won't say a lot. But uh, I kind of like it just because of that potential valuation gap and the chart looking pretty solid. I'm Dustin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are in good company. Our download statistics show that we have now passed 25 million downloads in the history of Invest Talk. And this month, we're going to be over 800,000 downloads in just one month. So, Steve and I. Thank you for that. Please be sure to tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk and our website, investtalk.com. And with your help, we may be able to hit a million by the end of the year. Let's hope. Now, if you're not sure if you are on solid footing with your financial future and you're unsure where to start, I suggest you take our Risk Lies Risk Questionnaire to help you define your investment comfort zone and we can help you make sure your portfolio is in line. Just head over to investtalk.com and check that out. And of course, you can always call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California, 800-557-5461. We want to help you. So give us a call. But if you want to answer, ask a question on air, our phone lines are open right now at 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial. InvestTalk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are the principals of KPP Financial and they are independent financial advisors. This means they place their clients' interests ahead of the firm's. As part of that commitment, KPP Financial practices parallel investing, where Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about Parallel Investing and the other KPP financial programs at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Tim in Indiana. I love the show. I've got sort of a two-part question. I'm looking to uh, take up a position in gold in one of the miners or one or more of the miners. So I'm wondering what you think of Yamana Gold, A-U-Y, and the second part of that is what do you look for in identifying an individual miner to buy? All right, thanks. That's a great question. Well, a couple things. One is good management. Two are the areas that they have mines. Are they in stable regions or are they in unstable regions? That's something that's very underappreciated by investors is where are these mines operated? Are they in areas that maybe have questionable government that may come in and confiscate their mine or force them to pay some sort of fee to the government, right? Because of corruption to keep the mine going. Could there be worker strikes 
That's a big factor as well. Does the U.S. Federal Reserve have swap lines with that country? That's a big factor. Because if they don't, you could see governments extracting dollars from these mining companies so that they can sell their gold back. It's complicated, but that's important as well. So, and then long term, are they efficient operators? Like I said, it has management. And then mine growth, mine extraction growth. Are they producing more? What's that growth look like? So those are the three most important factors for us. Management, mine growth, and the places that they actually are mining. How stable are those regions? Uh, all those are factors for us. And I like Humana. Uh, I think uh, 575 is the area where I would pick it up. I think the miners and gold are, have been over, a little overbought, right? We hit the media, right? For the longest time, the media hasn't been talking about gold. But what, a couple days ago, you had articles. Suddenly, you're starting to see a pullback. Would not shock me to see some backfilling consolidation over the next month or so. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888-99-CHART. It's been another Investor Thursday, and we've all seen the market move up, down, and all around. It's called volatility. And you'll have investment and finance questions for Steve and Justin. They welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Bernie in San Ramon. and wants to talk about the economy. Yes, Justin. So here we have 40% unemployment, uh, 30 to 40% uh, uh, reduction in business activity. Yet the stock market just keeps on rolling. I mean, I love it, but any comments on how to rationalize that? Well, the stimulus has gone to mostly businesses and not nearly as much to people. And the low interest rates are inflating asset prices and when the money goes to the wealthy, they tend to spend very little of it. Their marginal propensity to spend is very low. Their marginal propensity to save is very high. And that tends to be going into asset prices, right? Or assets okay. in general and in, in equities. So that's a, a big driver okay. here. Um, now, you have to, have to remember the GDP figure that's annualized, so it's more like negative six or seven percent, seven or eight percent reduction in business activity in the second quarter, and the unemployment rate isn't thirty percent. Now, what you have to look at is the amount of people that have gone back to work that are continuing to be uh, on the unemployment claims. Uh, so it, it's closer. Unemployment rate's closer to. 15%, which is still very high. Uh, but the 
fiscal stimulus that's coming out is helping the economy, but it's helping asset prices more than anything. So there's definitely a disconnect. How how how, how much can that disconnect continue? You know, I, I don't know, but uh, I think it will eventually roll over, uh, but might not be till next year once the stimulus is a little bit out of the way. I actually think when that's when you have to, to worry most is when Congress talks about stepping back because they're the ones driving stimulus. Okay. Make sense? Appreciate you coming. No problem. Thanks for the call, Bernie. I think we can squeeze one more question in at 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Nick from Martinez. I had a question about two bank stocks, Bank of America and Wells Fargo. I'm kind of comparing the two. Wells Fargo has much higher payout ratio as far as the dividend goes with 8%, so I think it's safely secure. Uh, well, Bank of America looks like it's more about 22%. Looking at the two stocks, what, what do you guys think of their long-term prospects? I mean, do you think this is a good time to start buying some bank stocks uh, since they're being beaten down so much, or is it still kind of time to stay away from it? Thanks. I still think it's time to stay away from uh, the bank stocks overall. Now, some are better than others, and I am a bigger fan of Bank of America over Wells Fargo. I think their business is more diversified. They're better run. Uh, obviously, Wells Fargo had that issue with false accounts being open, etc. But overall, I don't love the financial or the banking industry because interest rates are likely to remain compressed for an extended period of time because of what the Fed uh, is doing. And then you have a backdrop of high unemployment, defaults, business is struggling, business going out of business. Once again, it's all about how much stimulus is going to come out of Washington and how much the Fed is going to enable that. And that seems to likely to be unlimited. Right, unlimited QE means unlimited buying of treasuries, which means the government can spend unlimited. And when you give politicians blank checks, guess what they're going to do? They're going to spend to the hilt, and that's what's happening here. And so, well, I don't see a banking crisis. I just see. A tough environment for banks to thrive. And so I'd pick Bank of America over Wells Fargo, but I wouldn't be allocating to either. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I'll return on Monday. Steve will be the host tomorrow, and he will share excerpts from the latest KPP premium newsletter. In the meantime, please remember to tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk. And our 100 plus archived Invest Talk podcasts that are free over at investtalk.com or on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, etc. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis. 
and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.